Okay, we are in Luke, Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16, and we're going to start reading at verse 19, Luke 16, verse 19, but let me put this in context for you. You might remember from last week, the, the key here is that Jesus was speaking about money, how we can't serve two masters, either we're going to serve God or we're going to serve the things of this world, the, the unrighteous wealth or money. And he said, and it said in verse 14, Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. So we covered that last week. So remember the context. It's very important that we remember the context here. The context here is the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, felt that if you had a lot of money in this world, you were good to go in heaven because it was an indication that God loved you. If you had very little in this world, it was an indication that you weren't in much favor with God and your future was at risk. Also, the Pharisees believed that every Jew, no matter who he was, had a part in the kingdom of heaven just by being Jewish. So that's the context of this. And then he, as we talked about last week, he deals with that, that not everyone who's Jewish just has a part in the kingdom of heaven. Now he goes and he tells uh, of something in, in, in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Now most, this is not a parable. Parables don't have names. This is an actual account that Jesus is talking about because he even names it with a man. Even puts a man's name in here. So what we're reading is an actual account. And what we're going to see here is a glimpse of the life hereafter. What does eternity look like? You wonder about that. People often wonder, what does eternity look like? Jesus is here. And he tells us what eternity for us is going to look like. This is a picture of eternity. And, this is, and, and if it were not this way, he would have told us something different. As, as, as Jesus said in another passage in, in John, he, said, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not the case, he would have told us what it was like. Here he's telling us what eternity is like. Verse 19 of Luke chapter 16. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. In other words, the poor man died and was carried away by angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried... and. and in his bosom, and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, so that he may dip the tip of his finger in in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things, but now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, there is between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may, be, may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send 
him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they may not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they, did not, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Okay, let's t- pick it up from verse 19 again. There was a man, a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, living joyously, joyously living in splendor every day. So Jesus paints the picture. This guy was rich. Nothing wrong with being rich. Nothing wrong with dressing in purple. Nothing wrong with li- living joyously every day. In fact, I I wish more people lived joyously every day than in in, in the state that they're living in. Nothing wrong with that. Remember the context. The context is that there are Pharisees that believe that if you have it good in this life, that is setting you up for the eternal. Then he, he contrasts that. He says there was a poor man named Lazarus. He gives him a name. This is a real account of what happened sometime in life. There was a... A poor man named Lazarus, he was laid at his gate. So he was laid at the rich man's gate, longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. So there was a poor man. The poor man had a name. The rich man he never gave a name to. Wasn't that important to him. But there was a poor man, and Jesus names him. Jesus knew the poor man's name. So just because the rich man had a lot didn't automatically meant that he was close to God. Jesus knows this man's name, and he says that he was laid in front of the poor man's gate, and he was starving. He was longing to be fed with the crumbs from the rich man's table. Now, we don't know that the rich man was necessarily bad. We have no idea. You say, well, if the rich man were good, he would have fed Lazarus. We don't know. For all we know, Lazarus was put in front of his gate for a nanosecond and then died. The dogs came and licked his sores and he died. We don't know. It doesn't say that he was laid there every day. In fact, he wasn't laid there every day because it would be really foolish for him to be laid there every day if no food ever came out. You know, if you you have a a cat and the cat's by your home and you put out a bowl of milk and the cat drinks from it and the next day you put out a bowl of milk, the cat keeps coming back. But if a cat comes by your home, you don't put out any food, the cat doesn't come back. They wouldn't have kept laying him there if the rich man never gave anything. So either the rich man gave certain things from the crumbs of his table, or Lazarus was just there for an hour or something. We don't know. It never says he was laid there every day. He's just saying there was a rich man, there was a poor man, and God blessed dogs. I mean, dogs are so great. I mean, dogs came and they licked the source on this guy. And that, I don't know, if, I grew up with dogs. I had a dog sleep on the end of my bed my entire childhood growing up. We always had three dogs at all times in my home. We don't right now because, because I have a lot of children and college students to take care of. <clears throat> and, 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 and these days, dogs are much more expensive than they used to be because, because vet, veterinarians charge a lot more than they used to. But the dogs came and had compassion on him. So he just sets this, this stage. There's a rich man, there's a poor man. We don't know that the rich man was necessarily bad. All he did was live joyously and dress in purple. <clears throat> it says, now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels. Look at the care for the poor man. I know his name. 
Jesus said, and when he died, he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. Nothing about his being carried away by angels, just that he was buried. The poor man may never have even been buried. It doesn't even say that he was buried. We don't know what happened to his body. The rich man obviously is going to undergo a, 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 a big shot burial, big shot funeral. But no angels carrying him away. Now what is this Abraham's bosom? Then it says in verse 23, In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. The Old Testament has one word for, for hell, and that's Sheol. Sheol is a Hebrew word. The New Testament, written in Greek, has a few words for, that are translated hell. One of those is Hades. But Hades, then there's Gehenna, and there's also Tartarus. Hades is equivalent to Sheol. Sheol is not the hell and the torment that we generally think of. It was a place for departed spirits. Where did departed spirits go? Typical Jewish thought in that day, which Jesus is here confirming, is that it was under the earth. Sheol was under the earth. And, and there was a good part and a bad part. We've discussed this before. That was typical Jewish thought. Jesus underscores it again. There's a good part of it, a bad part. The good part is referred to as Abraham's bosom. This is the only time in the New Testament it's referred to it that way. But in the, in the rabbis prior to this often called that good part of Sheol, Abraham's bosom. The bad part, there was also a bad part. They were separated by a chasm. And what Jesus is doing here is he is substantiating the typical thought of the Jewish people that day. He says they had it right. It is to the good part that it talks about in Ephesians. It says, when Jesus died, he went down into the, below the earth and he took captivities captive. He took them, not from the bad part, but from the good part, from Abraham's bosom, and he brought them up to the Father. So the departed spirits of the good that are his go up to heaven. They go up now. They no longer go down. But in that day they went down, but there was a good part and a bad part. So there, there's Abraham's bosom. So... Lazarus was carried to the good part, to Abraham's bosom. On the other side of that, separated by a chasm in Hades, remember Hades is translated hell but in, in, in some contexts, but this word Hades is actually a Greek word. It's the Greek word that was used for this place of departed spirits. There's also Gehenna and Tartarus. Gehenna was a place of fire and Tartarus was a place of eternal torment. And those are all translated often hell in, in, in English. So that, so that you just know what we're talking about here. It says, In Hades he lifted up his eyes, and being in torment he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. So from the bad side, he can see over to the good side. It says he was far away. He saw them far away. Well, what's far away? Because he's about to shout and have a conversation through shouting with Abraham, through raising his voice. So what is that, 50 meters, 100 meters, if you put it in earthly context? But, you know, this is, this is uh, some place of departed spirit, so we don't know what a far distance really means in that context, because you know, distance is relative, time and space is relative, depending on, 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 on what framework we're in. <clears throat> so, he's in torment, and he sees Abraham far away, Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried out, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus so that he may dip the 
tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. You want a picture of where you're going to be if you don't do what is right? You're going to be in a place not that, oh, all my friends are there, it's going to be great. No. It is a place of agony, torment, and so hot and so thirsty. That is the picture. You want a picture of what eternity is? This is it. How much clearer could he be? This is a picture of what the future holds beyond this life. In Abraham's bosom versus in this place of torment. And he calls him Father Abraham, which substantiates that this rich man is a Jew. So again, you see how he's just crushing the theology of the Pharisees. The theology of the Pharisees being that if you're rich, you're good to go. If you're a Jew, you're good to go. This man was a Jew and rich, and he ended up on the bad side of Sheol, on the bad side of Hades. And he's in torment there. It is a place of torment. And he says, send Lazarus. In other words, you know, he's still viewing Lazarus as sort of, as sort of someone like a slave or a servant. Send him to, to uh, put some water on my tongue. Even just one little drip of water from his finger is more than I have, and I need that. And Abraham says to him, but Abraham said, child. So Abraham is considering him child. Again, substantiating that he is a descendant of Abraham. These are Jews. And it never talks about Lazarus in that way. We don't know what Lazarus was. But we know the rich man was a Jew. He says, child, remember that during your life you received good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. He never says, because you received good things, you're in agony. That has nothing to do with it. We're about to see as we read on down what the problem was that got him there. It was not being rich. He just says, it happens to be you were rich, you're now in agony. Lazarus was poor, and now he's in Abraham's bosom. You just crisscross the two things. It's irrelevant what your state is financially, monetarily, in the wealth of this world, on this earth, as to where you're going. That's irrelevant. He's not saying because you were rich, therefore you are there. We're about to see why he's there. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. So again, what this is speaking about, the state is eternal. It is eternal. You go into that bad side, it is forever. You're not getting out. It's not like, oh, well, you know, some people on earth will pray for me and I'll get through. He says, you can't get through. We can't cross over from there to you, nor can anyone from your side come over to our side. Not going to happen. You want a picture of eternity? Here it is. You want to fear not walking with God? Start fearing. Because there is no way out of this. And he said, and he said, then I beg you, Father. Again, he calls him Abraham his father. So again, it's talking about, he views Abraham as his, his forefather. I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not come to this place of torment. It is a place of torment. It is not a comfortable place where you'll just be enjoying your friends. 
Hell, as we think of hell, the bad side, is a place of torment. And he says, send them to my brothers. Send Lazarus to my brothers. So what does this say? It says, in hell, people are going to remember, first of all, they're going to recognize people, because they recognize, the rich man recognized Lazarus, not just Abraham. I don't know how you recognize Abraham. Because none of the, cause Abraham lived 2,000 years before this rich man. I don't know if he had a name tag like you do. Hello, my name is Abraham. I don't, I don't know how you know it. But anyway, he recognized him as Abraham. He recognized Lazarus. Lazarus, he had probably, he may well have seen in this life. He recognized him. There is a recognition. In other words, there's going to be a remembrance in hell. And you're going to be able to reflect back on your family that's still on earth. Forever. You're going to be able to remember. Isn't that interesting? This is a picture of eternity. And he says, send, because he, he says, send him, send Lazarus to warn them. He says, because um, if they see Lazarus coming back, Lazarus can warn them, hey, you know, your brother? Let me tell you where your brother is. And Abraham said, that's not going to work. Here's the key verse, verse 29. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They have Abraham. I'm sorry, but Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, let your brothers start observing the word of God. They have Moses. They have the prophets. They have the Old Testament, which is all that was written at this point. They have the scriptures. Let them, let your brothers hear them. Who? Moses and the prophets. Observe Moses and the prophets. Remember in, in Luke chapter 10, the, the, the uh, scholar in the law comes to Jesus and he says, what must they do to be saved? What did Jesus say? What does the law say? How does it read to you? He said two things. What does the law say? And how does it read to you? What does it say? Have you been reading it? Number two, how does it read to you? In other words, how do you interpret it? And the, and, and, and the scholar of the law said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. The third thing, so the first thing is you have to read it. The second is you have to interpret it rightly. And then he said, do this and you will live. He said, you've answered correctly. Now do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. It is obedience to the word of God. He, the rich man said, what do I do to be saved? What do I do to inherit eternal life? Were his exact words. This is what everybody wants to know. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus spelled it out. What does the law say? How does it read to you? Do this and you will live. And then he told them the story. And the man wanting to justify himself, he said, okay, who's my neighbor? He gave him the parable of the, 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 uh, uh, the Samaritan. And then he said, go out and do the same. In other words, we must follow through on this. You want to know how you get eternal life? You take the Word of God, you read it, you interpret it rightly, and you obey it. Fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to all men. It summarizes in the book of Ecclesiastes. 
the second and last verse in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. Jesus said, love, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Again, how much more explicit could the man be? It is obedience to his word. You pick up the word of God and what it says to you, you do. Or else you end up where the rich man ended up. He said, the problem here is not your richness. The problem is you had, Mo- you had Moses, you had the prophets. It's too late for you. But as for your brothers who are there on earth, they have Moses, they have the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So this man contests. The rich man contests with Abraham. says, Abraham, you're wrong. If, so, if Lazarus goes back from the dead, they'll repent. And Abraham says, in verse 31, But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Everybody wants a miracle. If I just saw a miracle, then I would believe. Not true. If, I, if, if God just appeared to me, then I would believe. Not true. You'd explain it away. I must have been really sick that night. I, I think I was feeling kind of feverish, actually. You'd explain it away. You would explain it away. If, if, if God just touched me of this sickness and healed me, then I would believe. Not true. Not true. Even if someone were raised from the dead, you would not believe. If you choose not to believe. You have the Scriptures. What does Jesus do? He turns us back to the Word of God. He turns us back to the Word of God. You want to know how you keep out of hell's grasp? You keep out of it. By reading the Word of God, interpreting it rightly, and then obeying it. Obey the Word of God. This is what it is. And then He says to them, even if someone rises from the dead, remember, because of the unpardonable sin, Jesus was no longer doing any works for the masses, any miracles for the masses. That had stopped with the unpardonable sin. He said, the only miracles you will get is the miracle of Jonah, the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be. So, he's going to give them the sign of Jonah. There's three signs of Jonah. He's about to do the first one. Right after this is the raising of Lazarus, Coincidentally, or providentially, the raising of a man named Lazarus, that is the first sign of Jonah done for the masses. They don't, they don't come to the Lord through it. The second sign of Jonah will be the raising of Jesus himself. The Jewish, the Jewish people still did not accept that, in large part, the leadership of Israel. The third sign of Jonah, they will accept. That is going to happen halfway through the tribulation. There's going to be two prophets, They will be killed. They will rise from the dead. Israel's leadership will follow. Israel as a nation will follow. And 144,000 of them will be sent out as evangelists throughout the world at that time. They will turn at the third sign of Jonah. But this is what he says. What is hell? It is a place of torment. It is eternal separation. It is a place of remembrance. Eternal remembrance of the opportunities that we had to turn to him and did not accept it. If you sit listening to me today, 
If you hear me today and you choose not to accept Jesus in your heart and you go your life without ever accepting and you don't know when your end will come, you will remember back to this day. You will remember back to this day that a call was made, come to Jesus. You will remember, just like this rich man, that you had the opportunity. What does the Word of God say? The Word of God, you read it. Because I am convinced you cannot read the New Testament twice and not be saved. I challenge you, read the New Testament twice. If you don't get saved on the first reading, somewhere through the second reading, you will get saved. You read the Word of God slowly and deliberately. Start in Matthew chapter 1 and read the Word of God slowly and deliberately, picking up where you left off the day before. Sometime on your second time through the New Testament, you will be saved because you will see that He calls all men to Himself. Jesus calls us to Himself. He calls us to repentance. He calls us to have the Holy Spirit fill our hearts. Don't let it go by this day. Or I can tell you what your eternity will hold. Not because I'm a prophet, but because Jesus is, and He knows, and He said it. And it will be like that rich man in torment. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. Abba, Father, I pray that You come upon those here that do not know You, and You would so stir up their hearts that they would say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and spare me from that place of torment. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and spare me from that place of torment. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would so take these young people and fill them with the fear of God and the Word of God, that they would take Moses and the prophets and they would hear them that they would interpret the Word of God and that they would do it and live. Father, I pray that they would pick up the Word of God and interpret it rightly and so do it. Father, have mercy on these young people, I pray. Have mercy on them. In the name of Jesus. Amen.